Okay, so the anatomy of emotions, um, what our physical ailments are trying to tell us um, through being manifested in the way that they do. Human body is a funny thing. Human emotions are funnier. In the way that... The way that we like to tell stories and the way that we like to listen to stories, our emotions are our biggest, uh, most permanent and ancient storytellers. Um, emotions are storytellers of the body. They tell us the, about the parts of ourselves, stories about the parts of ourselves where we feel uncomfortable, where we have uh, felt uncomfortable for a very, very long time, where our generations have felt uncomfortable, where culturally we have felt suppressed, where generationally we have felt restricted, where through our parents we have felt small, where we have not had a chance to voice our truth, where we have not... Um, we have not, where we have not been allowed for our light to come through, where we've had to dim our lights, where we have, we've had to fold our wings. So all these different stories, and they sound a little magical when you speak of them like that. Um, all these different stories are the stories that our emotions are here in our body to tell us. But we're not great listeners. Um, we have two ears, but we love talking more than we like listening. Um, we've not developed the art of listening. We can tune in easily to um, the external stimuli, the external media. But when it comes to hearing stories that our body wants to tell us, we're mostly mute. Uh, we're mute because they're not always pretty stories. In fact, they're never pretty stories when you relate the fact that the stories that your body is telling you the story that the body is telling you is either that of trauma or pain, um, of being inauthentic, of uh, having to work through difficult moments of your life, um, difficult patterns which you've been repeating, which your family has been repeating, which generations of your family has been repeating. So these are not pretty fairy tale bedtime stories, but they are important stories, they're necessary stories. Um, they are stories that's actually geared for survival. So now, uh, when we see the world around us and we look at um, the pain that we're in as a collective, the pain that we're feeling as a collective and individually, whether it's, that, whether it's uh, in our mind, in our bodies, in our relationships, in our households, in our workspaces, that pain is too loud to be ignored now. Um, the stories become much more insistent than it was a few generations ago because it's a story that has been building over uh, thousands of years and it's a story that now wants to be heard and it will scream and scream and scream until it is heard. And what does the screaming of the story of emotions look like? It looks like anxiety. It looks like depression. It looks like sleeplessness. It looks like a billion-dollar industry of medications. It looks like heart disease, it looks like liver failure, it looks like cancer. That's what the story of our emotions um, now look like. They look like actual diseases. They don't have to be, but they turn up, turn into those because we've been ignoring them for such a long time. It's easy to say that though, because um, nobody wants to sit down, take a especially sit down and create a space around yourself to be able to hear the story that your body is telling you. So say, for example, 
And I love how each emotion has a safe space that it finds itself in. It has its nice pocket that it hides in and builds in and fosters in um, in trying to tell its stories. So <laughs> it's like emotions have their favorite storytelling corners in our body. And more, mostly, invariably, those emotions will find themselves being drawn to those parts of our body to tell the specific story. So for example, if it's a story of not being able to speak our truth, of having to be somebody else or many different people, anything but ourselves, if it means that we've had to quiet ourselves in places where we should have spoken, where if we've been hurt, we have pushed it down, if some injustice has happened to us, we have brushed it away, if we have been screamed at, we have chosen to remain quiet and remain in that place of screaming and pain for a long time, believing that this is what we deserve, believing that we will, this is the best that we can get, believing that we cannot get better from the place of pain that we've chosen to stay in. So if we have not been voicing our truth, one, or we have been taking the the lying aspect or the unjust aspect or being made to feel little, um, belittled by people that we've loved being so that you lose your truth in the maze of lies that they create, uh, which typically looks like relation, manipulation in relationship. It looks like a narcissistic relationship where there are always these big elaborate structures of control which are devised in relationships to keep you in your place so that you don't A, find your voice and B, voice it, voice your truth. If this has been our experience, then typically our throat is what gets infected affected the most now whether it is you know we call it oh every changing season we i i get a throat infection uh, or um, you find yourself this irritable cough that you have which has been with you for years and years and you associate that with certain allergies or um, the fact that your throat is highly sensitive or um, in the like you if you taste something super spicy at the same time or like you even when you smell something really strong it affects your throat so your throat is sensitive that means we've not been voicing our truth and not being allowed to voice our truth for a long time and of course when that knock that that throat is um, giving to you and saying, hey, listen, look at me, look at me. I'm not feeling great. I have a story to tell. And the story is about you. And the story is saying that um, you have a truth that you must first find and then voice it. But you've not been looking for it. And uh, you've been allowing yourself to be overpowered by the voices and opinions of many of anybody but your own. Hey, listen to me, listen to me. But we choose not to listen to it. And we choose to stay in places. And you know, over time, uh, with these small, small instances, it grows, 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 and becomes a proper ailment, uh, a chronic disease that lives with you in your throat. So in an extreme form, it's, of course, throat cancer. But other than that, there are many other smaller aspects. Now, how is it that, like, how can you associate the emotion of not being able to voice your truth with confidence in yourself? How is that associated with a weak throat? So you'd see that um, 
like any okay our body is a combination of muscles right uh, and this is a muscle which has not been used for a long time so it has lapsed into um something that has that has no purpose and it's become weakened and as we know uh, all the bacteria and the viruses need a place to nest in need a place to grow in and the weakened spaces are the best fostering grounds for bacteria and virus and so we feel that it's probably seasonal or it's probably you know something that i've always had but what it is is the non usage of our throat chakra our throat muscles to speak the truth even people who are um innately used to not speaking the truth forget not telling their truth but speaking the truth say they are in the habit of making things up or you know deviating from facts and uh, um, obfuscating facts all of these reasons even for those people who are chronic um non truth tellers i don't like to use the other word i feel like it's very harsh chronic non truth tellers so those people um have a have have more of cough or, or throat allergies and such so this is a small example of the throat say you are a person who is extremely proud and you have a what pride is it really is it's a mask for our inability or our inflexibility towards change and the mask behind the mask is the fear of change we don't feel safe in change and so we'd rather stay in the place whether it's hurting us a lot we'd rather stay in that change than be op- in that place than be open to change and a lot of knee related illnesses a knee related ailments a weak in the knee stem from our inability to move past our ego move past our structures devised by the ego to be able to take a step forward towards a different decision or a different choice in both instances there's a story and what i'm talking about is the surface story right i'm just saying oh you have pride in the ego but if we were to say activate our healing selves in this moment and we drop down into our heart space and we go to our knee and literally like a story you know how you read of these storytellers in um olden times who would sit under the trees and um people would pay to listen to them sit around them in a circle and they would have the storytellers would have their attention because they would tell a story that was so fascinating and so riveting that you could not um even blink you could not take your attention away from it so imagine uh, if we could imagine that our knee for example is an ancient storyteller a knee which has been a problematic knee for you um go to nobody do nothing just that imagine you're sitting in a quiet place close your eyes drop down into your heart space uh and from the heart space call that knee or you can go directly to the knee itself drop down for, from the heart space further 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 down to your knee and say okay ahead of story tell your knee what is the story that you'd like to tell me now the story that your knee would tell you of course would have a, a baseline emotion of um you know fear of change for example or of pride or ego um f- you know which we're hiding behind but it will also tell you why it'll tell you where it first began it would tell you about all the instances where you have let your let your fear of change stop you from making a meaningful step forward for yourself 
it would tell you of all the times that you have given your power away in relationships, in moments, in your reactions, when you have let your ego do the talking and not your heart. It will tell you, it will remind you. When I say tell you, it will remind you of all those instances. And all you have to do is listen. That's it. Listen to the story that your body is trying to tell you because it is a story of your emotions. It is a story of how those emotions, that particular emotion, has become stronger and stronger and stronger over the years through the many decisions that we have chosen to take and not take. And when it tells you the story, you will be spellbound because it is your story. And it will tell, it will be so clear to you that whatever this body part is saying, whatever story it's telling, it's true. It's true because you have lived those moments. And when that realization comes, when that realization comes of how we have been keeping ourselves in that place of pain. And when I say in a place of pain, I don't mean in any external way. A place of pain is a very private, intimate little circle. I think of it as a circle that we draw around ourselves, within ourselves. So say we have drawn a circle of pain, for example, around our knee area. Now what that means is that if we are not aware of it, if we're not conscious of it, then we will spend many, many years, in most instances, many, many years acting from a place of um, unconscious or subconscious patterns of behavior that we're not we're not even clear on but we'll keep acting keep keeping ourselves in the same loop because we are not aware of that tight circle of pain led by for example ego in this situation we're not aware of the that circle that we've created around us therefore every action we would think that you know the situation in my life is not changing or the same circumstances present themselves to you in, under different guises it'll be different relationships different workspaces a different travel spaces different businesses working not working etc it's like the the backgrounds will keep changing but the theme will remain the same theme of your patterns of behavior and what you end up feeling through those experiences that remains the same and you will notice how that theme remains the same because the circle of pain that you have drawn around your knee for example driven by your ego you're not even aware of it but once you become aware of like aha it's almost like i have switched on a switch um and let's call it the switch of pain. You, have, you, have you switched on the switch of pain uh, in your knee and now it's shining its light like a light bulb would in all the different mom on all the different moments that you have operated, uh, that you have lived in where you've operated from a place of your ego, your stubborn pride. It will, it will illuminate it. And the moment those moments are illuminated in front of you, it's almost like you're standing here, you switched on and say, like, this is your knee, this is the circle of pain. You've switched on that, you've first become aware of that circle of pain. You've switched it on, switched it on as like, okay, I pay my attention to you, tell me what story you have to tell. The moment you say, tell me what story you have to tell, you've switched on that switch. When you switch on that switch, now all the moments which till now were hiding in like corners 
um, somewhere in a dark room and you were not even aware of it, the moment that light bulb comes on, all of those moments are eliminated. And when the moments are eliminated, you'll see that it's almost like looking at five disparate images on a computer screen, but suddenly they make sense. You say, ah, connect, 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 and you begin to see a pattern. A pattern emerges just by switching on that light bulb. There's no extraordinary invocation that needs to be made or any ceremony that needs to be held for healing. No, the awareness of that circle of pain around that knee, for example, is eliminating all the moments of ego, all the moments lived when dictated through your ego, through your stubborn pride, um, through your inability to change, through a basic fear that lies behind all of that. And the moment that's illuminated, the moment you see the patterns, that's it. Because the next time you didn't even realize that this pain circle of pain exists and these patterns exist, and next time, there are two things that will happen. The next time you uh, are in a similar situation, you will still act from a place of ego or a place of stubbornness. But after you have acted, you will realize it. You will realize, ah, ah, so this is what it feels like. Now you're aware, but now after you've made that, uh, you've done that action, you will realize it, one. Now, uh, next time this presents to you, and I'm not saying these are the exact number, but you know it can happen over two or three or five or seven or ten times. But invariably, inevitably, the first few moment, few first few instances are post awareness. You will recognize that pattern post action, but after that, you will recognize the about toness of that pattern before taking any action. And there will come a time where we will stop taking that action and then there will come a time then those moments will stop presenting themselves to you because you've already learned what you needed to learn and the only thing that we needed to learn was to change our behaviors um, to change our uh, interactions with the world from a place of empowerment and not of disempowerment and how we've done that is by illuminating that circle of pain that we have devised around a certain part of our body. And how we do that is by listening to the story that that body part is trying to tell you. That's it. And similarly, if you were to, and it's a simple exercise that you can do, you can absolutely, you can go to Google, write the anatomy of emotions, and it will tell you what each of your body part, if it's hurting, if it's in pain, if you have a chronic illness, if you have a, uh, a mild irritant of a symptom that that begins that you know that resurfaces over the years or periodically or every season, it will tell you on a surface level at a surface level what that body part is, uh, which emotion that body part is holding, and what emotion that, that what story that body part is trying to tell you. But the actual story you can only hear once you connect to yourself and listen to what it is saying uniquely to you. Because unless we don't do that, the pattern does not get eliminated. We actually, oh, knowledge and awareness are two different things. You may have the knowledge of what this body part tells you and it's a surface knowledge, but unless we do not sit down for those storytelling sessions, our patterns will not get eliminated. And when they do not get eliminated, then we can't change them. We can't change what we don't know. We can't change about ourselves. It's, it's really simple. Being the listener 
to the, your own stories is the difficult part. And that's why most of us run away from this journey of healing, what we call the shadow work, um, or what we call um, embracing our shadow selves or integrating our shadow selves. What does it actually mean? It just means listening to the stories that we have lived and uh, the stories that different parts of our body are now trying to tell us. There is an art to it. And the art, like there's a simple, and I've just recently discovered it, there's a three-part question that you can ask yourself. Say we are not trained in the art of story listening to our own selves, to our body parts. We have no idea where to begin, okay? Uh, we have a cheat sheet of how you can first begin to connect with your individual body part. And the cheat sheet uh, comprises of three questions. The first question is, how does, and it's important, how does having this particular pain, say you have a chronic knee pain, how does having a chronic knee pain make you feel? It's not a question that the Western medicine asks, right? It just treats the symptom, not the cause. So what we're trying to do is go to the cause. How does having a chronic knee pain make you feel? That's the first. And you ask yourself this question, you ask your knee, how, do you, how, do, how does that make you feel? Okay, knee, how are you feeling by being constantly in pain? How are you feeling right now? And the knee will tell you the emotion that it's feeling. And it is an emotion. It's not, oh, because I walk too fast or I bend too fast or like I, I don't know, whatever other physical attributes that we, or physical activities that we attach our uh, knee pain to, no. It will tell you an emotion that's attached to it. So the first is, hello, knee. How does uh, being in perpetual pain make you feel? That's one. The second one, and that's why history is so important, going back, 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 tracing the thread. The second question is, where were you in your life? What was happening right before the very first time you noticed this pain? Now, this is more true for short-term or shorter kind of illnesses or ailments. So, for example, if you have, um, if you have a UTI, right? So it's more um, local. It's more localized. It's more momentary. It's not chronic. So you can ask this question, okay, how were you feeling? What was going on? Forget how we, what was going on a few days prior, even a few hours prior to you getting UTI? So that's more relevant for a more localized kind of ailments. But then there are chronic ones, um, for example, say you've had migraines since you were 16, 17. For chronic illnesses, there is no one moment that you can recall that happened before your migraines began, right? It's not, it's not realistic. And more, most chronic illnesses come in waves. So they're good days and they're bad days. They're good days and they're bad days. So they're days without migraine and then, then they're days with migraine. And so the question to ask for more long-term illnesses from yourself is, hey, uh, beautiful head of mine, how, do you, how are you feeling on the days, on the good days? How are you feeling on the days when you are not in pain? What is going on in those days? Forget how are you feeling. We already asked that question. What is going on in those days when you're not in pain? And then 
with that. What is going on the days when you do have the pain? And you can already, the, your, your beautiful head will tell you that story, will tell you, oh, on the good days, for example, you know, I do this more, we do this more, we meet that person more, we take our, this time for ourselves, we do that. So that, those are the days we are not feeling, uh, when you're not getting that uh, splitting headache. But then there are days when you are, for example, not taking time out for yourself, not sleeping well, some stressful, blah, blah, blah. It'll, like, it'll give you exact, uh, right now I'm generalizing it, but that will, your own beautiful head will give you the specifics and you will, as it does, as it tells you that story, you yourself will be able to identify the pattern of the non-migraine days and of the migraine days. And that means you can do the actual activities of the non-migraine days so that, and you know, you know, and you know what your trigger points are. You can already identify it. And I promise you, these are not trigger points that you can identify from your conscious mind. You can do it through journaling. That's one point. That's one way of. Um, listening to the storytelling session. You can write a letter to your knee or you can ask your knee to write a letter to you and just sit there and then receive. It's a little, uh, you know, it's a little more disciplined. Otherwise, you can just sit there and talk to it. So the first question is, how does that, hey, dear knee, how does being in chronic pain make you feel? And it'll tell you how it makes you feel so you'll be able to identify the emotion. The second question is, what was going on on before the time that this particular uh, pain or illness began, or if it's a, if for short-term disease or illnesses, but if it's a long-term disease or illness, it's uh, what happens, what is going on uh, on the good days uh, when you don't feel the pain, when you don't feel the restriction, and on the bad days when you do feel the restriction and you feel the limitation. Does that's the second question. And the third question is, what does this pain stop you from doing with ease? And it's a beautiful question because, you know, when you ask somebody as to, uh, you know, how they're feeling or um, what, in what way their pain limits them, they'll say, oh, I can do this, I can do that, but it hurts a lot. I still go on with my day, but it hurts a lot. So the right question then is, what does this pain stop you from doing with ease? And that means that there is an essential unmet need inside you that's not being addressed, has not been met for a very long time. And you're not finding, finding it easy to do so. So for example, for um, ones with chronic knee pain, for, uh, and, and if you were to ask, because I've had, I refer to it because I've had a chronic knee pain, and it doesn't happen anymore. Um, so the question that I asked myself was, so what does this stop me from doing with ease? It stops me from exploring at a conceptual level. It stops me from exploring the full potential of how I want to express my gifts. Because it tells me that I'm only good at doing this one thing. And if I have an interest in another thing, because... I have not practiced that other thing art for like say 35 years, I will not be good at it. So it limits me from expressing my potential, expressing my gifts in multiple different ways because it tells me that I'm not good enough. And my ego is reassuring me that I'm not good enough. My ego is telling me, my friend, there are 15 million poets like you, 15 million healers like you, 15 million life coaches like you. The world doesn't need another one. And I believe that. I believed that for a long time. And so the chronic knee pain 
uh, is stopping me from expressing myself in five different ways, five different meaningful soul-purpose soul aligned ways which are important and true for me, it's stopping me from doing that. I can't do that easily. There's this, there used to be this huge sense of um, not being able to, uh, not being good enough, um, people not appreciating it. And people not appreciating, of course, is the externalized story of you not feeling good enough. It doesn't matter who appreciates or not if you're feeling great. And I wasn't feeling great. And so when I began to listen to that story and I traced it back to, okay, what are the good days and the bad days, the good moments and the bad moments, uh, when I have my chronic knee pain act up and when, when I don't, when I'm going around with business as usual in my everyday life, I don't have... Um, I have a knee pain when I'm going about business as usual. I have a slight knee pain. It's difficult for me to go up and down the stairs. But on the days when, for example, and for a sustained period of time, not just on the days, it's not like a magic formula, but on, when I started practicing my poetry writing, for example, for a sustained number of months, when I started my podcast after that, when I started writing a book in parallel, when I started all of these for myself, when I started doing expressing myself in these ways in a world of million writers and a million poets and a million podcasters, I began to do that anyway consistently. My knee pain subsided because I was choosing to believe in the potential of me as opposed to being restricted by my ego, which was telling me I was not good enough. It is as simple, it sounds like it, it is as simple, but as factual as that. Because had I not gone through it myself, I would not have been able to speak of it. I've had uh, migraines, migraines that you would not believe, panic attacks that you would not believe, panic attacks where I, panic attacks, I don't even have to describe panic attacks, right? That, and all of those have gone away. And migraines are a, uh, a strong reflection of, or the story that the, the headspace tells you is that uh, is an extreme fear of the future and guilt of the past. It's anxiety about the future, and that's fear, and guilt from the past, which is remorse. Um, a lot being held, being pulled down by the past and pulled in by the future. And the past is not real. The future is not certain and you're not being able to be present. And so you're like overtaken by thoughts. And the moment, and not the moment, but through a consistent uh, discipline of quieting down myself, forget my thoughts, myself and being able to observe the thoughts and being able to recognize okay, this is not real. Um, all these stories that I'm telling myself are not real and this is a pattern. Every time that I'm faced with doing something new, I choose not to do it because I'm afraid that I uh, will not succeed. And every time, again, that I want to do something new, I want to change something about myself, I look at myself through the lens of the past and say, you know, you haven't been able to do that for 15 times. Oh, what makes you think you're going to be able to do that? 16, so my eyes, on the 16th try. So my eyes are so glued towards the past while also being afraid of the future that I'm paralyzed. And when I'm paralyzed, I'm panicking. I'm panicking. That's what that moment feels like. And so the, when, I would, uh, when I could find it in myself to consistently quiet myself down, center myself, bring myself back to the present moment, is when the migraines went away, disappeared, went away, poof, no medication. 
And similarly, my panic attacks went away. My anxiety has, I wish it had gone away. My anxiety has uh, dialed down to say 10% of what it used to be. Because, and we, for people who suffer from anxiety and have anxiety would know that one unanswered text spins of a carnival <laughs> of happenings which are extraordinary, also extraterrestrial in many ways because in no scenario uh, can, you know, the possibilities that you imagine in your head from one unanswered text, they, they, in no scenario would it be possible for them to emerge and yet they do all inside your head. So um, now when there is an unanswered text, I observe my... Uh, thought patterns more because I know that the circle of pain that I had created was around my headspace and so I observe it more so okay, tell me tell me and I find myself uh, panicking or having anxiety so I ask my anxiety go back to my headspace and I say okay tell me tell me what are we thinking what are we feeling um, what just happened here and what you'd realize is that mostly it's not never 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 in fact at no time is it ever about the other person or the other situation, anything external to you. It's the story that we are telling ourselves, which is spinning off an entire perceived reality, which will may not never happen, which will not happen if you just change the story inside your head. And so there is an art to being the story listener. But for that, we have to believe that our bodies are way more powerful than what we've been led to believe. We have to believe that our bodies are alive, are a live radio station that's constantly giving out messages of what is feeling good inside, what's going on inside it. It's not a dead space that you can only see in an ultrasound or from an x-ray. It's, it's an alive space and it's constantly telling you through the small joints, joint pains and aches and a small uh, itch here and a nudge there uh, you know your eyesight being weak I have weak eyesight and I was just having this conversation with um, with somebody about a couple of days ago and I was like a weak eyesight is symptomatic of or is a result of not being able to of seeing so many things that did not resonate were not resonating with you and feeling powerless in changing them. And so we chose to not see them at all. We chose to go blind to situations in our life. And when we chose to go blind, we chose not to do anything about them. When we chose to go blind, the, a part of our eye dis, uh, supported us. It's our body, it's our energy. We're strong energy creators, beings of energy, right? So our eye supported us in um, weakening. It's like, okay, let's not see clearly at all. If you can't change, if you feel that helpless and you've taken the decision that you'll go blind, let me help you. <laughs> That's what happens. That's the power of... So every time that there is a, an uncomfortable feeling in your body means that there is a story that's needing to be heard. Are you going to be a good story listener because your body is an excellent storyteller. Much love.